from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from SQL CFO. Joined with me is Paul Myers from Freedom Mentoring. We are brought to you by BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software. Paul, pet topic of BGL, the accounts exemption is going to make a mention in this week's show. Welcome back, mate. Thank you very much. Hello, listeners. Hello, all. Uh, apologies uh, to listeners for being off the content for the last couple of weeks. ZeroCon. Just uh, was a massive. It was massive. Uh, we do have the in-depth show this week about our recap. But David, a lot of content has happened. You're bringing lots to the table today. Get us kicked off. What is your best on ground from the trenches? What's the best job to go for, Paul? If you were starting out in your career right now, compliance? No, it can't be. Machines are going to kill that. Apparently. What is it, David? Tax management. Tax managers in the US are one of the most in-demand jobs with a base, a median base salary of 112,021 US dollars a year, a whopping 4,800 job openings on Glassdoor as in the middle at the start of July. It is in more demand and higher paying than the average tech job in the US. Number second, Salesforce developers. That's very specific. Well, because everyone, yeah, that is very that's, specific. That's specific for a list of, high, of highest paid jobs. That's specific. That's very specific. But isn't that amazing, Paul, that tax managers? Tax is uh, difficult, complex, always changing. I don't think it's much of a surprise to us. But, yeah, anyway, it's no good to, good to hear there will be – was it death and taxes, David? The only two certainties. What else uh, you got? What HR managers are right up high on that list as well, which I think's hello. Oh, mate of mine's in OH and S and HR. Like these are just these, honestly, like me in my opinion, medium to low value creation jobs that are all about risk management and they are in such high demand at the moment because yeah. that's just the world we're living in, Paul. Absolutely. Uh, really interesting article on Market Watch about how Uber manages cash in countries where card and digital transactions aren't very popular. Uber Uber collected more than $6 billion in cash last year, like physical cash. No uh, fraud or other risks there, don't No, I can't imagine any, any control issues. I wouldn't want to be doing that audit, that's for sure. Um, but in companies like countries like India, Brazil and Mexico, um, Latin America, and even some parts of Europe, they allow you to pay cash for the entire fare or for meal deliveries um, and overall, it's 30% of their global gross sales, which is pretty amazing because, you know, the way Uber's sold to you here is it's completely frictionless. It all just happens, but obviously not in some of these companies. So massive amount of legal risk, regulatory compliance risk uh, that hits Uber when doing these sort of things. Um, but if you're going to be a global player, you can't just force technology down somebody's throat if they don't have the ability to use it. Very, very interesting for me, David. I, I had a client, uh, I had a long-standing client in the area of um, driving instructors, as a as an aside. But they had the um, the job of also same thing, managing this, whether or not they sold the the lessons as a pack, or whether or not the the students paid cash when the car when the lesson turned up. Uh, to me, what lessens the risk for this is obviously that um, they hold a lot of the driver's money. So Uber in the position where they they are forwarding the money, they are forwarding the the 
cost of the trip, net all of their fees and charges off to the driver. So simply, as long as they know that, you know, so basically nobody can get out of a car without one button being hit. Either they paid they paid credit card, in which case it goes through the system, or they paid cash, in which case the actual Uber presumably doesn't care whether or not it's sitting in the guy's pocket because they just deduct that off. They just deduct that off what Uber owe him. Oh, yeah. or her. Makes sense. So I think, you know, I think it's quite easy whether or not that cash ever happened. Well, it went to the driver who was only going to get it ultimately. So Uber just cl- just deducts the the cash and says, "Well, we don't we we don't care but what happened to the cash." It's usually from an operation point of view, but also from a, a accounting standards point of view, there's a comment in this particular article that talks about how they don't recognize the sale until the cash is actually collected because of the opening for, you know, where's the cash actually going to end up? Yeah, I, I think it's um, yeah. No, it, it would be it would be a massive area from them, but but as someone who then just controls the other cash, I think they just deduct it off the bill and pay the driver the net and say, well, the cash went somewhere, and it, the last place we saw it was in your car. So really, hope you have it. Big news out of the US. We follow gig economy stuff. I don't know how, and for an accounting show, we're so obsessed with the gig economy, but. I think because it's just fascinating to create so much payroll and HR issues that we end up getting, you know, dealing with. But also, you know, the other reason why I think it is, and I'm going off topic now, because all the software companies thought they were going to get so many subscriptions by signing up all these new ABNs that it, that it just became language in our space. The California has said that Uber needs to basically treat their consultants as if they're, they're consultants, drivers, as if they're employees. Um, it's a really big ruling that's expected to be passed uh, through the state of California. The headline in the New York Times, Paul, not often the New York Times gets a mention on trenches. Maybe we're not all going to be gig economy workers after all. One of the interesting things in this article, and I encourage you to check it out, sign up to the weekly newsletter and have it sent to your inbox at www.fromthetrenches.com.au. It gives an example where Walmart users, Walmart staff are trading shift work through a Walmart app. So they're taking almost like the best of being able to work when you want um, and internalising it in almost a controlled, closed, more closed network. Really cool little bit of innovation there. I wonder what it's going to spell for these workers in Australia, Paul. Uh, interesting. I think the gig economy, the, the, the thing that doesn't, the, the thing that makes it so hard is the red tape to hire anyone. The actual management of staff is so utterly complex. Unless you use Employment Hero, Paul. Yeah, unless you use it very well. Well, no, I like that. We weren't Um, even paid for that little nod. To me, I think everyone everyone should be be an employee, but the actual administrative burden of employing people and the risks should, uh, should move with the times, David, in terms of the ability to work multiple jobs, work remotely, and you don't have that connection that a lot of the traditional tests have when you um, when you employ someone in the traditional sense. I would just throw this onto the pile of the long list of things where instead of create better policies, in, instead of update the rules to tax things or, or employ people, the governments just go, oh, we're just going to over overrule it and and try to change everything. The policies need to change. The 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 actual legislation needs to change. Now, finally, Paul, it's a good segue to you because you didn't want to cover this, 
Utopia. The ABC comedy that it makes a satirical take on an Australian infrastructure government department. You can't it's watch not it. A comedy. It's a it's, what it's, you call it's, it's a documentary. It's not a mockumentary. It's a, like, it's I, got, I can't watch it. for listeners who the Utopia. Basically, it's a it's a fictitious government department that takes them through. I I cannot watch it because part of me knows that this is. This is not even. Uh, this is not even humorous. This this stuff actually happens in government departments, and in, in uh, it is a waste. Of, it and how in corporate, I don't think just government departments. Money would be wasted. It, it this is, is it is at a point where you're watching this, and you, I don't know if I should laugh because I I don't know if this is satire or if this is just real life. Um, it, it's hilarious. It's absolutely amazing. One particular episode, there's two episodes that are relevant to this show, Paul. One, this, they're, they're investigating this complicated tax structure for some infrastructure project. And they just give me, give me a 30,000, uh, like a 30,000 foot view. And he puts it up on a whiteboard and it's not the most complicated thing of all time. He goes, but, but who pays the tax? He goes, oh, what tax? <laughs> My favorite, there was a construction, they were talking about construction contracts and, um, the, the developers and the, the construction union were arguing over who's going to have the biggest – the benefits. Yeah, and it was just – it's an absolute roar. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I can't yeah, watch it. And they, they produce a podcast, the department, Paul, and in true podcast form, they invest all this money in big podcasting gear and schlep a mattress in so the noise reduction – I swear, Trenches has the worst recording gear of any accounting industry podcast I saw at Zero Con Ball. But it is, uh, no, it is funny. Best anyway. on ground for you, mate. Uh, best on ground for me. What am I um, An article Trenches. in accountingweb.co.uk are nagging clients really that unreasonable. Um, worth a, re- worth a read uh, for people out there only because it covers both sides uh, of what I think is an interesting, uh, interesting chicken or the egg scenario, whether or not, the technology, so obviously technology has created a, a far closer access uh, 24-7 between clients and accountants and between businesses together. This article is, and the reason it's in Best on Ground is because it does raise the concept of just because the technology is 24-7 doesn't mean we need to uh, let it, doesn't mean that we need to Accept that nagging. Some of the times, David, you you spend uh, quite a bit of time during the week uh, offline. You're very good a in day. that. You manage um, you manage the expectations, and I think this article is good for for its discussion on managing those expectations. Sometimes I know that um, from clients and and from I do it as well. If I it doesn't matter when in the 24 hours that I get this brainwave, or if I'm traveling, by sending the query, it's off my desk. I, you know, the expectation I don't necessarily have, and I'm sure clients don't necessarily have an immediate turnaround. Some may, but I think it's because they have been trained badly. Uh, it, the two things about account, first, this is a great article, and I love that it touches on, you know, we blame the technology for all being, it's it's on us. It's 100% on us with no control. You cannot read Accounting Web without reading comments, though. The, the comments of Accounting Web are as good as anything that's posted. Um you know, somebody says the lack of respect from clients comes from charging a too low fee. It's a huge problem for UK small accounting market. That's actually probably a fair bit of wisdom in there, Paul. It might be might be correct. Uh, I agree with the expectation. Is honestly go read this because you will get you will learn more from the comments than you will from the article. And the, the comments are good, and a lot of people again posting as uh, as nicknames, which I think you know it's always the the most vitriolic comments are always from people who don't uh, who don't put their name to it, but the comments are very interesting. Second, best on ground for me, Commonwealth Bank 
taking a swing Uh-oh. into the world of sustainable finance. They are talking about a partnership that the Commonwealth Bank have had with Gold Coast Airport, uh, tying the discount in the margin rate, so the discount in the interest rate, to their uh, sustainable factors, specifically lowering uh, their carbon emissions um, or meeting their carbon emission reduction targets. A very interesting take, David, on the otherwise complex world of finance, which you used to be a I, I cannot believe banker. you didn't see this for the marketing message it is. I cannot believe this went through your keeper. I, d- I just I think it's I you, think it's interesting. Everything I mean you, everything's market. I get that point. I actually see it now. <laughs> like the bank overall will be making so much money off Brisbane Airport through a whole range of products. Like there's no way the bank's taking a haircut. There's no way the bank is getting the message into the market that you will pay less debt because we can prove that you're environmentally friendly. I, I just can't see it happening in the Australian market. I, I get, I absolutely get that view, David. I think for me is just the concept that a bank can top, <laughs> who we, we know about banks and how they struggle with certain things that are outside of checklist. The highlight, the highlight is Paul's the disclaimer at the bottom and and I get it. Like we, we put disclaimers in the bottom of our work. I'm sure you do as well, but this one's a ripper. Um, um, no representation or warranty, either expressed or implied, is made or provides the accuracy, reliability or completeness of any statement made in this information. Fair enough. All right. No, it's okay. Uh, anyway, I, 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 it's, a good, it's a good idea and it, anything that promotes the environment generally is probably, you know, a good thing to do. But I just like I, the fact they can tie something to a non, to non-serviceability or, or the asset test, whereas banks can't otherwise think, except for no, Judo this Bank. Is, this is a corporate level, but that's true at Judo Bank. Corporate level, generally, they're still lending at balance sheet level. Well, that's a lot tighter than it used to be, my corporate banking mates tell me. David, let's flick over to Worst Worst on Ground. From the trenches. Um, I'll tell you what. Everyone thinks that employers are crooks and trying to rip their staff off. EY is getting fined for paying superannuation late. Now, this is a month old, this article, but uh, How? We've had a law firm being investigated for routine getting- Routine underpayments, I think. Routine underpayments. You've now got an accounting firm, well, the AFR refers to it as a consulting firm in the article and, and based on their revenues- They're, they're not an accounting They're not really an accounting firm anymore. Firm anymore. Um, how? So ADP to the outsourced payroll for EY and there'll be a lot of whose fault's this, whose fault this. It It is just another example of how hard it is for anyone to be 100 percent compliance and and the book accountants out there who get involved with payroll and the bookkeeper will say oh you just need a good bookkeeper you just need an accountant no there is a systemic problem where it is just extremely hard to be compliant in australia right now ey should not be paying super late any company that big should not be yeah the, the, the payment side of it i think certainly the calculation is complex but let's be honest like if you if you're paying your super late at that size, um, one or two maybe. You know, there's always there's always struggles with people giving you the wrong digits, wrong superannuation information. But if it's 
if it's on a greater scale than just a couple of uh, of employees with some missing data, then then you've got to ask yourself a question. What are you? You're smirking. Yeah, I am because the next one's just amazing. I mean, in a uh, Facebook group called the Entrepreneurial Accountants, run by a gent by the name of Ben Brown, and it's pretty good. It's American based, and people ask their questions, and occasionally I jump on Facebook and have a look at what's being spoken about in some of the accounting groups. Although I'm not very active there at all because uh, you and I were quite bold with our opinions, Paul, and I got taken down once in one of those environments. I thought. I might stick to the forum where I don't get belted every time I say something that's a little bit outside the box, Paul. But this group's got almost 8,000 members and somebody's posted a Shanita Jones CPA posts something about who's had success with ClickFunnels for accounts. For those who don't know, ClickFunnels are you see an ad, you click on it, and it slowly takes you through a process until you give them your email address and you buy Basically. I've used it for freedom. For, used it for freedom? For freedom mechanics. Do you have any success with it? Yeah, great success. So and I think ClickFunnels, I know another accountant who's run with it as well. The question is, does it work for accounting services? Because so many people think have all tried digital marketing for accountants with varying levels of success. So Shanita then puts a link up to her funnel that she's developed using uh, this particular piece of software, which is called ClickFunnels. And everyone's getting excited about, oh, my God, that looks fantastic. That's amazing. And this is a group full of accountants, remember? There's no actual clients in this group. And then somebody says, you're getting any clients? And she goes, well, that's the thing, no. And my coach is really stressing me out about it. Worst on ground. From the trenches. There was the marketing to get leads. And I think we've, we've seen this before where you get um, just marketing types telling accountants what to do and, and passing it off as – Passing it off as the absolute solution so, uh, without looking at whether or not it works. Before you jump down my throat, one of the purposes of marketing is to get leads, but certainly for a small firm, that is, that's why you do it. It's, yeah, I mean, smaller firms, It's again, I, I think it's very common that you get those big, uh, big <sighs> firm or marketing areas and try to put them into small firms just doesn't, just doesn't work. What do you got, bud? What about speaking of that? Speaking of uh, big, big fads into small firms, uh, this came out of the AFR, the Australian Financial Review. Is Agile working a revolution, a fad, or just a cover for mass layoffs? I think it's really interesting. Like Dad said, if there isn't a company that sort of just now wants to use the buzzword Agile, I think um, banks and it's always been the darling of software companies. We get that, but now banks and other big institutions are like, we need to work. We need to work agile. Look, I think it's really interesting for me that, again, like like the ClickFunnels, when you adopt anything, what you've got to do is you've got to be outcome focused and work it out. I can I can safely say that the way I've used agile, I've taken the ideas of agile, but I've adopted it to professional services and have had absolutely stellar results from it. I didn't just copy and paste it. I didn't do it as a fad. I did it to achieve. The, the one you do is your weekly meeting with Nick. I've taken the Scrum meeting. I've changed it a little bit for, for, for services, but I haven't used the other concepts of sprints. I've, I've really just taken the bits that are going to get the better outcome for our firm at, at the time and place that we are. So I think you've got to... When you adopt anything, it doesn't matter whether it's a fad or a marketing concept or whatever, you've got to go, what am I trying to achieve? And does this achieve, uh, does this help me achieve a better outcome? If not, if you're just doing it 
because you think it's the way the thing to do, then stop it. It's um, I like the way that you do it. It's the way I've kind of always done it. We just have a, a team meeting at the start of the week. We get up whatever project management we have. What are we doing? What can I do to help? How do I? Get, what, what needs to get taken out of your way to get your job done? It's pretty simple. Absolutely. What else you got? What's the last one? The big one. Well, it's in worst on ground only because we always say startups shouldn't celebrate their raises. They should celebrate, you know, profitable business models. But uh, only just in worst on ground. Practice Ignition has raised a whopping $26 million, Paul. Again, still unknown whether some of that comes off the table to pay out old investors. I'm not sure whether it all hits their bank account, but I'm not sure. I'm not not sure it matters. Some people are are backing this enough to put $26 in. If you don't know what practice ignition is, it's not my job to educate you. They're bloody everywhere. They've got a huge marketing and support engine. We know plenty of the people who work there, Trent and Ethan and Hugh and Guy. Why are you looking confused? I'm just, no, I'm just saying. That's called a lead-in, Paul, where no, I invite no. you to contribute and to I, the I'm concept. looking at the content because I haven't necessarily <laughs> done a whole lot pre, pre-show pre no, as, as we – it's not our usual uh, style. Two and, uh, the Zero blog, more than 2,500 accounting and bookkeeping firms. People have been around for an awfully long time and that is – that's not a lot of firms. I would I would have thought that there are – How many firms are there in Australia? Just like they're in other 64, countries. 64,000, I think. Really? Yeah, I think so. And oh. you add more when you add bookkeepers. I think that's there's sixty four thousand sort of agents. Um, you do get some that have multiple multiple agents, but that is that is that is not that is not a lot of customers, David. Don't know. I would have thought that if you were investing in this, they're saying, look, here's what we've achieved so far on this budget. Here's our cost of acquiring a customer. Here's how big the market is. We're steaming ahead. Here's our forecast. And investors have put money in based on the forecast market share they're going to get globally. It's definitely a little level. I think what I will celebrate about it, Paul, I do love Aussie businesses doing well overseas. And and I hope the PI does well overseas. Ah, right. right. I mean, and this and this is a great question. Like so this isn't a comment on whether or not PI are doing well. By just raising money, are you doing well? And this is the problem. Well, I, 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 but I think we I think it's sold to us like someone's given you money, therefore you've already succeeded. I think and, and Gary V, my old mate, me old mate. Uh, I was made made very good points on this, and we've had it in the show before. Don't come to me with the race. Come to me with what you did on the last race. Like I, to me, to me, the the better story or the sign of success is here is the last race, and here's what we did we did with it. Prove the runs on the board, and say that is the, that is the basis for saying that this extra money we've got the runs on the board to have actually done it. What did you do with the last raise? I think, and I don't know this for PI, I don't know this for any of the companies, but I, I would imagine it would it would change the view on what we're talking about if people had to go, well, I've got new money, but here's what I did with the last one to show that I can do it. I, that, to me, I think would be a very interesting Maybe concept. they did. They certainly wanted a big hiring spree in the last couple of years. Brooke Holmes as well joined PI from, our, from Vanderbeek's firm at Illuminate. Um, look, I'll be honest, Paul, I'm probably going to end up using practice ignition back in my business because the automation's so good. There's On the lot- workflow or of the payments? Workflow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the bit that the new zero release is missing. Yep. yep. So, uh, congrats- look, congratulations to the team at practice ignition on the raise. We want to see what you're going to do with it. I, and, I, yeah, I think it's, it's all about what – all of these startups do with it. Otherwise, it's just a right. No, I'm I'm, I'm done. You're, You're done. Saying no. That's, is that the show? 
That is the show. Reach out if you've got any uh, any content, anything you want us to cover, things that you agree with, disagree with. If you had to pull over the car uh, or stop the train just to just to yell at us, feel free to let us know. Uh, LinkedIn for me or at Master underscore on Twitter. Uh, otherwise, have a great week. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the trenches.